Okay, Father, episode six, we're back again. Back in business, what do we have? Going to the steamy. Yep. Making up the coal fire. Yep. First pair of long trousers. Yep. Getting sacked by Jack Coyer. Uh-huh. Come on, get off the buses. Aye. Getting scared of the dark. OPN! OPN! <laughs> hey, Senka, we're at Glasgow Generations in the tranny. Episode 6 of Glasgow Generations. How are you, Father? I'm doing fine. Doing fine. Episode 6 already. I, know, my it's, God. Uh, I think it was about two months ago when we did the last one, but um, you know, when people listen to this years from now, they won't care. <laughs> so, Back in the land of the living. I'm sure they won't care anyway, but oh, no. say. Um, the, the one thing that's changed uh, between the last time and this time is the email address. Um, it's actually got shorter. Oh. And it's now glasgowgenerations at gmail.com. Used to be Google Mail, you see, but it's oh, uh, the, too much for me. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, received a couple of emails. We've received quite a few, but these are the best anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, a Rosie from Fairbanks, Alaska. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, I've been researching my fa- my family's Scottish roots. Uh, my family hails from Dundee, right. uh, and I came across your website about Glasgow. Although I am not certain at this point if my ancestors lived in your town, your stories are very pleasant to listen to, and I am very much appreciating learning about your history and hearing your unique accents. All right, very there good. You go. uh-huh. Different accents from Dundee, of Dundee course. Dundee again, I don't know what the accent is up there. Fit, fit like me bad, not like. Ah, wee bit, no, it's like Edinburgh, s- the old thing. Dean, that's right, but um, we also get one from someone from clearly from Glasgow, uh-huh. a Thomas Kendall. Oh, yeah. um, hi, I was born and bred around Toll Cross. All right, uh, Charlie, do you remember the old Colville's steel plant? Yes, yes. And the red dust from it that covered just about everything. Yeah. And the slag tippers that would light up the sky at night, whatever they are. No, I don't, slag tipper. No, I don't remember that. Uh-huh. At all, no. Many memories coming back now. The old Ockenshugel tram. <laughs> Uh, playing in the Cowp, watching aye. the flicks at Green's Playhouse in Wellshore Road. Yes, aye. Uh, waiting for a bag of biscuits from the workers at the McFarlane Lang Factory. That'll be the broken biscuits. Uh-huh. <laughs> on a Friday night, the list goes on. Good heavens. So you go to the so Colville steel plant. Yes, aye, it's all gone now. I mean, that's all, I mean, like everything else, the steel in Scotland. I mean, what happened there was a lot of folk went down to Corby, mm-hmm. Northamptonshire, mm-hmm. Uh, which turned in, it was, even now, I think you still call it Little Scotland. Mm-hmm. People in, and this, you're talking about the fifties when, uh, like Motherwell and all the places where the steel was up here. Yep. Um, people just almost, if you want to use a better word, emigrated <laughs> to Corby. That's where the steel works was, uh-huh. or what was left of them. Yeah. Uh, and they went down there in mass, and uh, there's a lot of Scottish people in that area still. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Little Scotland, they call it Corby, Northamptonshire. Um, but I remember Colville's aye, aye. And aye. what's this red dust? What's that? Red dust. I think it came through the the. What you call it? Uh, the residue of um, the sort of works, the the metal mm-hmm. stuff, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, don't know too much about it myself, but I remember people talking about that mm-hmm, sort of mm-hmm. thing, you know. That pretty uh, same as the stewed and the stewed, same, di- aye, dust, aye, yeah. same, same idea sort mm-hmm, of thing, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that emanated from the actual residue, the 
whatever they did in the steel works and things like that. Mm-hmm. Don't, mm-hmm. don't know too much about it anyway. That's right, that's right. Well, when I got the email, it kind of occurred to me we've not talked about stuff to do with work in Glasgow back in the day. All right. What was your first job? My first job when I left school was um, a, a firm called uh, Gillespie Kid & Coyer, mm-hmm. a firm of architects in Park Circus. And I went there as an apprentice architect. <laughs> I mean, that was what the job was advertised as. Uh-huh. Um, actually, I went down, I was in Parkhead, went down to the Ministry of Employment down there with my dad, uh-huh. um, who wasn't too happy about me leaving school because I was... Left early, yep. Uh-huh. That's right. Uh-huh. Um, so when anyway, we got this first job, and basically, you know, can you read and write, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and in those days, you could walk into any job, basically. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and this one was offered to me, Gillespie Kid and Coyer, and it was actually Giacomo. Goya, who's a bit of an artist. Sounds Italian, I would imagine. Aye, effectively known as Jack. Um, <laughs> but they were up in Park Circus, and basically uh, my job initially, as supposed to be a, as a trainee architect, um, was to sort of take the drawings, uh-huh. the architect's drawings, from from the, their office to whoever they were contracted for. Glorified messenger boy. Aye, um, and occasionally I'd have to sit in with them to show them how they, how they actually drafted up mm-hmm. the drawings for the buildings. They were involved in a lot of churches and things like that in those days. I don't know what they do these days. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was a big connection to the Catholic Church about building churches and mm-hmm. things like that. Yep. Um, I don't know if, it, if that was the Italian reference with Coya, because he, sure. he's the main, main man, if you like. Yep. Uh-huh. Um, but my little office, if you like, uh, my drawing room was up in the attic. And um, what used to happen there was at lunchtime I'd, I'd have my lunch and uh, Mrs. Coyer, they lived in the basement. Mm-hmm. Um, probably no part of circus, you know, the old buildings That's up right, there. Yep. All offices now, but in those days there was a fancy lot of... Fancy tenements. Aye, uh, very fancy. <laughs> but she'd come up at lunchtime and, oh, Charles, as I was known as, mm-hmm. um, could you just pop down to Charing Cross and get me like, two pound of sausages and a, a loaf? <laughs> and at first, first job, I wouldn't go. And I'd go and this went on and on and on, weeks on, weeks on. Yep. And um, I thought, wait a minute, this is this is not what I'm getting paid for. I'm not blooming message boy, you know. Uh-huh. So she came in one day and it was basically she had the list. There you are, Charles. Go to the the green grocers and get blah blah blah. So I'm not going. <laughs> said, what? She said, what? I said, I'm getting paid here as a trainee architect. I'm not your message boy. Oh, we'll see about this. <laughs> Ten minutes later, I got a phone call uh, from Jack Coyer mm-hmm. or Giacomo. Uh, Charles, could you come downstairs? Oh dear. Saved uh, <laughs> away right down through all the floors into the basement where their house was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm afraid you'll have to go, Charles. <laughs> no, why is that? Well, you were a bit cheeky to my wife. I says, but she was asking me to go for her messages, and I'm not a message boy. I'm supposed uh-huh. to be learning uh-huh. architecture here. Uh-huh. Sorry, on you go. So I left on a Friday, uh-huh. went to the employment um, offices in Parkhead, uh, Westmere Street, I think it's called. Uh-huh. It was Westmere Street, I. And the Monday morning, and uh, got my next job, yep. and that was Big Coosland and Company Wire Workers, um, six, what was it, six three six Spinfield Road, okay, just around the corner from Parkhead. Yep, uh-huh. um, so and you I went was, from being an architect. To I went, I went from there to be a, a no, no, <laughs> a trainee export manager. <laughs> okay. uh, dog's body, uh-huh. basically at the start, yep. um, but obviously they were involved in export of wire makers, uh-huh. wire workers, and what have you. Uh-huh. And I worked in the offices, obviously. Uh, and there was Mr. Begg was still there, Mr. Kuzlin was still there, mm-hmm. but you know they were up in the, the fancy offices. Yep. Uh-huh. And I was there for nine months, but in that intervening period, uh, I had applied to, to join the civil service. Mm-hmm. Went for the exam, passed the exam, mm-hmm. and uh, they offered me a, a job in London 
Manelan revenue. Fetching groceries and sausages and things. Well, aye, aye. No, a bit more. I was moving up market with it. And um, so I put my notice in and come home that night and say to my mum, I says, well, I'm going to London uh, a week on Monday. Yep. What do you mean you put your notice in? I had to go back on a Monday morning and ask my job back for another week before. They gave it to me. Uh-huh. Um, went back and worked for another week. They did a collection for me and everything else oh, the fantastic. previous Friday because I've been there for about nine months and I was sorry to see me go. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, and I said to go back cap in hand on a Monday morning and said, Can I have my job back for a week? <laughs> uh, didn't tell him, my mum said, no, That's right, my mammy told me. My mammy told me. <laughs> so Friday came, I left. Saturday morning, my dad and uh, a very good friend of his, Jimmy Doyle, um, who lived in um, Cran Hill, mm-hmm. they worked together. Um, they drove me to the central station, put me on the train, and I went actually down the same day with a pal of mine from St Mungo's, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a guy called Jerry Marlin, yep. uh, who came from the East End. And we went down to London together. His job, he was, he joined the civil service as well, mm-hmm. but he was away in the south side of London, mm-hmm. and I was in South Ken, South Kensington. Sure. And um, so that was me for about five or six years until my dad died and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I got a job back up in Glasgow and then we moved on into various departments and promotions and what have you type yeah, of thing. Nah, nah. So yeah, my first two jobs were probably about eight weeks and then nine months. That's right. Um, <laughs> and then 42 years with the Ireland Revenue. Fantastic, so, exactly. That, anyway. <laughs> of course, you wouldn't have had any unfair dismissal rights. Uh, Certainly not. No, the... no, no, I mean... Uh, I couldn't have taken her to the, the, the tribunal or anything like that, Mrs. Coyer, you know, I was, and actually, um, they're still in the go, Gillespie oh, King Coyer, yeah. oh yeah, and so's Beg Coosland, uh-huh. um, they both moved, I mean, Beg Coosland, I mean, Springfield Road is all gone now, as uh-huh. you probably That's know right. yourself, I don't know where they are, but I know, because they're, they're in the telephone book, yep. and Gillespie King Coyer still there, Jack Coyer, maybe dead, but uh-huh. I don't know, because uh-huh. I'm talking 1959, uh-huh. and then I would say Jack would be about, I come Jack, Mr. Coyer, <laughs> Um, he looked to me then probably late 40s early 50s so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. probably well gone and yeah, yeah. Uh, other people have moved on but the firm's still there sure uh-huh, that uh, was that anyway you know yeah, good stuff mm-hmm. and uh, I mean that was obviously paid employment oh yes I, I would imagine there was uh, quite a lot of unpaid employment when you were younger uh, unpaid getting up early oh well I <laughs> getting up early good I there was a couple of things I, I mean, when I was about 10, 9 or 10, living backstreet still, um, there was a thing called the Steamy. Mm-hmm. Um, people might have heard of it, there was a play written by John, Tony Roper, yep. which was quite successful. The Steamy basically was because in those days people didn't have washing machines, there was a big steam house mm-hmm. with boilers and what have you, and all the women took all their clothes up there, um, usually in a pram, mm-hmm. and they wrapped up in a bed sheet and they took their the pram along to the steamy. Yep. Went in there, did all the bits and bobs and come on, but to get into the steamy to get a wash machine, a, a boiler rather, mm-hmm. not a mm-hmm. wash machine, you had to queue to get a ticket. Okay. So I had to get up usually about half past five in the morning. Half five? Aye, half past five. Yeah. And our local steamy was just off Kennedy Street. Mm-hmm. And you used to have to wander along there through the dark, in the middle of the winter, half past five, and stand with all the wee biddies um, to get in. It opened up six o'clock. Uh-huh. Got my ticket. And on the way back, the co-op was just opening, just along uh, Bottom of Glebe Street. The cooperative, aye. <laughs> that was just opening up at Bottom of Glebe Street. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I told you before about that, the sawdust and the floor yeah. And uh, what my job then used to be is after I hadn't got my ticket for the steamy for my mum, mm-hmm. um, I then had to go into the co-op and um, get butter biscuits. Okay. Butter biscuits, I don't think exist anymore, but these were 
probably the size of wagon wheels. Uh-huh. Those. Uh, wagon but, wheels are smaller these days. Well, I like everything else is. But these were actually the same thickness as well, and um, I don't know what they're made of, but oh, they were lovely. Just for the point of wagon wheels, uh, for those not oh, listening sorry, in the UK, yes, not the, the massive wagon wheel, uh, chocolate, no, no. chocolate wagon wheels, exactly. With a sandwich <laughs> filling in the middle, That's right. chocolate again. Or sometimes chocolate. But no, this was like an, uh, it's hard to describe actually, it was quite firm, they were quite mm-hmm. firm, um, like probably a very strong pancake, mm-hmm. but uh, probably about half an inch thick, mm-hmm. and you can either slice through the, the middle of it and mm-hmm. put butter or margarine on it, or jam I suppose if you wanted, or as I always did, slap the butter right on top, mm-hmm. half it through the middle, and it was like a two yeah. inch thick, you know, and get your <laughs> get your teeth round that. Uh-huh. Having got the butter biscuits, t- come up home, up to Black Street, and my job then was was to light the fire, mm-hmm. the coal fire. That's your last just switching it on, yeah. Oh yes, <laughs> I coal fire in those days, and um, of course you didn't have um, wooden sticks, mm-hmm. you know, to, to start a thing off. Mm-hmm. And what you used to do, you used to get old newspapers, take one sheet at a time, roll it up quite tight and mm-hmm. then fold it over to like, look like a stick mm-hmm. four or five of them and um, some of the old cinders from the night before put your match to it yep. and get the biggest newspaper you could and you put that over the front of the fireplace mm-hmm. to draw the, what they call drawing the fire mm-hmm. which the, the light would then go and it would draw up the chimney type uh-huh. of thing uh-huh. and you had a wee peek in behind it and you could see oh aye it's starting to catch right a wee bit of coal on it mm-hmm. another wee bit of coal and before you knew it it was 8 o'clock and I was to get ready for school <laughs> then and so how long would that process take to light the fire? Oh, it can vary. Sometimes you weren't very successful at first attempt. You mm-hmm. just start again and roll up the newspapers again mm-hmm. and start. Mm-hmm. But usually uh, maybe you could get the fire going maybe in about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. How long would that last? Oh, that was... The fire was on all day then. You didn't have to stoke it at all? Oh, no, no. You, well, you just put coal on it all oh, the time. Yeah. Yes, you cover it with a fender, you know, mm-hmm. and the, the, mm-hmm. sort of, excuse me, a wire mesh thing you put over. Um, and that was kept going all day long. Mm-hmm type of thing because that was your only form of heat and what was the best newspaper to use for it oh god knows what it was called <laughs> it, it used to get the Times and the Citizen um, Citizen the Citizen right. Time, I used to get that on a Saturday night about tea time you always get that down the town Times New Citizen Fine Ale it was a war cry Fine Ale Fine Ale Fine Ale oh Fine Ale alright right. <laughs> Times New Citizen Fine Ale and um, you used to get the football results in it was uh-huh. a pink edition on a Saturday night uh-huh. and I had all the football that was a citizen is that the one you took into the clergy <laughs> and <laughs> cut up into wee bits of paper for your toilet paper I, enough of that um, very resourceful by yes, the day yes yeah. oh yes I used everything I yeah. but um, you sometimes you had some photos on your backside but that's did you ever actually read the papers uh, just use them for <laughs> yes you did actually and... you know if you're sitting there contemplating the world and uh-huh. tear off a wee strip of a corner of the citizen of the times and uh-huh, oh uh-huh. see we George is dead you know that's right <laughs> an accident in Black Street again you know uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, ah, that was it other unpaid jobs I can't think of off you didn't have that. to I suppose um, uh, you know in terms of uh, making fire making light you didn't have to do all the work but there were lamp lighters oh aye oh the lamp lighters come mm-hmm. round every every night and every morning mm-hmm. um, these were gas lamp lights okay. um, you know probably like size of a small lamp standard and they were dotted up and down the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, on the buildings or separately? Just no, on the street. On the street, On yeah. the street. Mm-hmm. But in the tenements, um, they had them in the close as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the close is the sort of entrance into the tenement. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they were just, as you walked in, um, they were on the left-hand side. Mum's just walked into the kitchen. <laughs> uh, shh. <laughs> so, I, in the close, they had one as well, mm-hmm. obviously, because then that was the only light you had. There was nothing in the first second and third floor mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um, the lamp lighter came round early doors very early in the morning and he took a long pole 
with a sort of kind of cap on it. Sure. And obviously that had a, whatever it was, some sort of lighted thing, and he'd reach up, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. get it on, and then last thing at night, it, that was the last thing at night sort of thing. First thing in the morning, he'd come round and cap it. Right, okay. Put the thing yep. off again, uh-huh, you know. Uh-huh. But um, it used to be horrendous in the, the tenements because um, at night time, I say, because they had the, in the, the ground floor, the passageway, um, they had the, the gas light on there, mm-hmm. which gave you light at the bottom, but we lived two flights up. And um, if you'd been out playing and you were coming in and it was late at night, mm-hmm. half past eight and it was pitch black, yep. everybody used to, the kids used to scurry up the stairs because mm-hmm. um, everybody was a bit frightened of the dark, you know. <laughs> and the war cry then among kids, and you could hear them in every close, you used to come into the, 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 the ground floor and maybe they lived on the second floor or the third floor up, yeah. and the war cry was, OPN! at the top of your voice open open and that was a shouting up to the house to open the door scooted up like a rabbit the beasties and the nightmares you never knew it was on the first landing the second landing and it was speeding up everybody's a bit frightened of the dark that's right open was a war cry all the boys mostly the boys I think because the girls were usually in the house anyway scurrying up the stairs like a, a rabbit or a Rabbit out a hole or and something like Where have you been? <laughs> <laughs> I knew. This is the time you call this the thing, you know. Uh-huh. But that was Lamplighters, I, and uh, they existed. Um, well, I see, we left the tenements uh, when I was 12, uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. and I think progress had moved on by then, and um, they probably just died to death. Yeah, uh-huh. sort of thing, uh-huh. you know. But I suppose just normal electric lights and things aye, like that. Aye, oh, aye, oh, aye. I mean, a lot of the tenements were getting raised to the ground anyway, mm-hmm. and um, so. I mentioned earlier before we went up to Queensland it was a new estate mm-hmm. um, and you know everybody was getting proper housing mm-hmm. um, a toilet in the house a bath in the house which was unheard of in the past yep. so yeah progress had moved on got, the lamp lighters probably were out of job mm-hmm. um, the electricity had taken over everything type of thing you know yeah. um, so kind of other jobs disappeared do you think the only one I could think of you know, Prompted by that was actually my mum this morning. It was um, the old bus conductors and tram conductors, or conduct uh-huh. dresses. Uh-huh. Um, used to be in the tram cars, and you had the tram driver who was down at the front. Yep. And the uh, conductress would come on, a clippy, some people call them, used to call them in England. Uh-huh. Um, and their war cry was, you know, and it's, anybody in Glasgow would tell you, you know, well, come on, get off. Uh-huh. And um, you, you pay your. your the clippier, the conductress, your fare type of thing. Mm-hmm. And um, if the tram was full, you know, um, obviously there was standing room and everything else. Sure. And all the seats and the ground floor and the upstairs, there was a upstairs one as well. Mm-hmm. They came to the terminus and um, all the, the clippy did was that when they came to the terminus, they just moved all the seats. You just ran along and mm-hmm. pushed mm-hmm. all the seats the other way. Right. Because they, they were on tram lines. Yeah. Uh-huh. So the, the tram just then went back to its other depot at the other end of the mm-hmm. town where mm-hmm. it happened to be. Mm-hmm. But that's the only other kind of old job that you don't get anymore. I mean, buses don't have conductors. Or Replaced conductors. once again by technology, aye. Aye. Um, I, can, I suppose the trains have still got the occasional ones and things uh-huh. like that. Uh-huh. Um, buses you don't, and when the tram cars and the trolley buses, but when the trolley buses were and you still had the conductors or mm-hmm. the conductresses, mm-hmm. it was usually women. Mm-hmm. And that, that, that used to be the war cry, come on, get off, <laughs> type of thing, you know. Come on, get off, yeah, sort of thing, uh-huh. you know. Uh-huh. But other than that, well, no, I can't. I can't remember any, but somebody mm-hmm. would, I'm sure would think you had a job. Any, is, uh, any other job, that's Aye. right. And uh, you, you, I think you mentioned in a, a show before that um, your dad used to work in Rolls Royce. Oh, I, I... What was he doing there? He was an engineer, an engineer he was an engineer, mm-hmm. um, worked for Rolls Royce for a long, long time. Um, I, I, I couldn't tell you offhand what his earlier jobs was, but he was in the Rolls for, for quite some time. Where, where was that based? Um down the refuge somewhere I think mm-hmm. 
can't really remember actually to be quite honest with you. Um, but he was an engineer there and he was there for many a year. But he then, for reasons I don't know, he left and joined Babcock and Wilcox. Um, big welders down in the Clyde side. That's right, they're still there. Aye, aye. Um, and he joined that and he eventually became, working through the ranks, he became what they called a rate fixer. A rate fixer? A rate fixer. Uh-huh. And what he used to do is he'd, he'd go around the factory floor um, at Babcock's and uh, they'd see a particular job getting done and he'd fix the rates for that job. Oh, you know, right, like, okay. You know, like, daft example, right? you've, you've got to weld those two pipes together, uh-huh. right? That'll be X pounds oh, so that, yeah, per hour. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And um, my dad was chased out of the factory many a time by people who weren't happy with the, uh-huh. the rates that were fixed. Oh, I threatened They're not trying life. to pay money to... A <laughs> 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 wee brown envelope in there, Pete. Uh, oh, he was chased out of the factory on many occasions. Uh-huh. Um and he got fed up with that eventually um, and joined an insurance company and became an, an insurance man right, uh-huh. selling uh, policies and what have you. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh, and it was that for a wee while and then he went back to Babcock's again uh-huh. and um, back to the same job as a rate fixer and uh, he was there until he died, right. basically. And he died uh-huh. quite early. Um, but my, my brother John, um, next one down for me, uh-huh. when he left school, um, he joined Babcock's right. as a trainee um, apprentice welder. Uh-huh. And did very well because um, he actually won the Apprentice of the Year right. for, for West of Scotland uh-huh. as a welder. And um, he kind of moved on. He worked for Babcocks for years. Then he worked on the rigs, uh-huh. um, North Sea, did a lot. And until a big contract fell through and he got another job, went to India. Uh-huh. But this uh-huh. time he was like a foreman welder sure. type of thing. And worked in India for, for quite a wee while and came back. Um, contract ran out and got a job in a... A firm just across the road. He actually just retired about two months mm-hmm. ago there. But um, yeah, I, majority of my dad's life was with uh, Rolls Royce and then Babcocks. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think when he left that initially from Babcocks, he was getting frightened of getting chased down <laughs> Clyde's side um, with half a dozen guys who weren't That's happy sweet. with the rates he fixed. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I don't think he was happy with the insurance. He wasn't a really office man, sure. um, paper chaser. Uh-huh. Uh, so he went back in again and took on his job and mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. there until, until he died, sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Um, well, she's a, well, I mentioned before, she was a tailoress uh-huh. um, from left school at 14, as all her sisters did. Uh-huh. Um, that was the going rate then, was you left school at 14. Uh-huh. Um, walked straight into a, a massive big firm. I just, for the life of me, I can't remember their name offhand at the minute. But it was a big Jewish firm of tailors, and a lot of the Jews up in Glasgow ran uh-huh. the tailoring business and okay. tailoring factories and made stuff en masse. Uh-huh. And she was there for many a year. And um, but she then left, and in the latter sort of ten, fifteen years, she went to a wee private tailor um, based in Union Street, just mm-hmm. opposite side entrance to the Central Station. Yep. Um, worked for a guy there called Joe Sawyer's, and um, it was just Joe, my mum, and another woman, Jean. And what she did then was um, she, she was making individual suits mm-hmm. for what the well to do, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, among them, a lot of football players at the time. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking the early 60s. So high-end kind of stuff then. So, oh, aye, yeah, aye. Yeah. Good quality. Actually, I got a suit made up as well. Yeah, right. And those in the 60s, late 60s, middle late 60s, when I come back from London, the mohair suits were the, the mohair. style. Mohair suits. What's mohair? That's a form of material, but that was the, you know, when you were yeah. a young lad in your early 20s, mohair yeah. suit, three-piece, <laughs> was, was a gear. Uh-huh. Um, but she did a lot of stuff for the footballers. I remember um, I used to work in the town and just in Argyle Street uh-huh, and occasionally I'd pop in at lunch times, particularly when I was getting a suit made up for me. And they were all made to measure suits. Sure, uh-huh. Took a few weeks to make up. Uh-huh. 
And Jock Steen, I remember, the old Celtic manager, mm-hmm. was in one day. Um, I remember two or three Celtic players who... Well, as in you, you saw him? Oh, yes, aye. Yeah. Oh, aye. Do you remember um, speaking to him at all? Oh, no, 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 no. no. Just, I mean, I was a... Due deference given. I was, a, I was a, a daft Celtic supporter in those days and I uh, wouldn't go near him sort uh-huh. of thing, you know. God. Um, <laughs> I just, it was. Uh-huh. But Stevie Chalmers, who, a striker for Celtic, he, he, he got suits made up. Lisbon Lyon. Lisbon Lyon, I. Bertie Alds, the mm-hmm. old general they called him, he mm-hmm. was another one. And she did. They did some Rangers players as well, but we never bothered about oh, yeah. them, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, Just charge them more. Yeah, affiliate. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Maybe so. Not that we're in any way no. feeling our affiliation. But, course, uh, but I mean, what she do? I mean, you know, she. I mean, they'd come in sometimes and they get these suits made up, and they'd say to Agnes, my mum, Agnes, mm-hmm. Agnes, what type of shirt do you think I should go with this? Mm-hmm. And my mum mm-hmm. would actually take money. She would be giving money from the, the customers, uh-huh. and um, that's mum back in again. <laughs> Third time. And, <laughs> She gave, the customers would give her money and she'd actually go out and buy shirts and ties mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. match the suit that was getting made up mm-hmm, for mm-hmm. Jock Steen, Stevie Charles, whoever happened mm-hmm, to be type mm-hmm. of thing, you know. Um, and she stayed, she worked there until she was 70. Yeah. Uh-huh. And uh, left because Joe was sucking off. He was getting on a wee bit so as well. So pretty much the same place from 14 until 70? No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm saying the last four, 15, 14, 15 years uh-huh. she worked for Joe Saws. Prior to that, she worked in this big... Jewish firm. Oh, right, aye, sorry, yeah. Um, same kind of job, though. Just oh, aye, like, oh, aye. Yeah, uh-huh. It was a more upmarket job, if you like. It was an individual uh-huh. tailoress. Um, she was like, you know, well, you're doing his suit. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And they were all made to measure. Much better suit me if you're made to measure. I can't remember. I mean, well, my, I got a mohair suit made up for me by Joe. Actually, he did, he did the measurements. I can't quite remember. It might have been something like £15 then, which mm-hmm. doesn't seem a lot now. Sure. But, um, That's pre-decimalisation, of course. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. pre-1971. Uh-huh. But there was a downstairs, and this was 116 Union Street, directly opposite the entrance to the central station. Mm-hmm. All right. Excuse me. And um, just directly down from Joe was a, a leather shop, mm-hmm. Skint Boutique, it was called. Skint Boutique. Skint, uh-huh. S-K-I-N-T, it was all leather. All right, yeah, uh-huh. so, I actually got a leather jacket made up. I've actually still got it. Oh, God. Can't fit it into it, you know. It was what they called then. Please tell me you don't wear it. <laughs> I can't get into it, you know. Uh-huh. But uh, it was actually done in what they called, I mean, you wouldn't be allowed to see it these days, nigger brown leather. Uh-huh. That was uh-huh. the style then. Uh-huh. Big wide lapels. <laughs> Massive big wide lapels, you know. Those were the days of the kipper ties. Well, you know, pl- big... uh, please tell me you've got a, come a, back. Please tell me you've got a picture of that. <laughs> <laughs> they may have somewhere up in the attic. Um... But uh, the, the boy who owned Skin Boutique was forever trying to poach my mum uh-huh. uh, to come and work for him right, down right. the stairs, but she never ever did. Uh-huh. But because I knew the guy um, through my mum, uh-huh. um, he actually made me up this made-to-measure leather jacket, uh-huh. um, which I thought was a bee's knee. Did you wear you know? your Farrah slacks with the, uh, the leather <laughs> jacket? <laughs> no, that's when the flares were, the flares were coming in, the, the, the high heel boots, you know, the uh-huh. sort of kind of uh-huh. Elton John stuff, you know. That's right, cut um, edge, yeah. I, Oh, it was then, I... I mean, when you see pictures now, you think, oh my God, how would you allow it in the street like that? Uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. But you then you thought you were the bee's knees. You know? Do you remember your first pair of trousers? Oh, God, I Long trousers? Long trousers, eh? Oh, yes, Same you said before. Yes. Oh, yeah, the boys just wore shirts. Aye, uh, normally what used to happen then, um, in our neck of the woods, was you get your first pair of long trousers when usually just about 12, uh-huh, just uh-huh. getting ready to go to the big school. Uh-huh. And I always remember my first pair I got was actually for Christmas time. Um, I can still remember it. I got a pair of long trousers that were grey, <laughs> style, grey long trousers, and I got a, a yellow crew neck sweater with a blue edge to the collar. And I thought I was the bees. I 
Well, who wouldn't have? Yellow sweater, grey long pair of trousers, and this was me striding about, you know. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, prior to then, up to 11, 11 and a half, everybody, uh-huh. well, all the kids went round with short trousers, probably uh-huh. holes in the back of the trousers. So that's like a coming of age thing, once you get your it was trousers, a bit of that. that's it. Ah, you were a jack of lad then, aye. Uh-huh. It's usually tied in roughly when you're going to the big school uh-huh. type uh-huh. of thing, usually 11 and a half, 12 or whatever, uh-huh. when you're doing your qualification, your quality, as I called it once before, you that's know. Right. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I finally remember that, I can, I can still see myself in the bedroom. You remember that. Yes, I. <laughs> Putting on my wrong trousers for the very first time and uh, uh-huh, putting uh-huh. this. I always remember it was a crew neck with yellow, bright yellow. <laughs> as you say, Chicken, you know? as you say, no <laughs> doubt that'll come back one day. Yeah. <laughs> and it's a wee blue sort of edge to the collar, and I thought, oh god, that's uh-huh, fantastic, uh-huh. you know. Funny how you remember these things. Possibly that's why photos were in black and white back then. That's <laughs> right enough, right? <laughs> See if you're embarrassed. We don't do colour, you know. <laughs> that's right. What about um, Kathleen and Thomas? Do you remember any jobs they did when they were younger? Uh, you mean before or after they left school? Aye, yeah. After, well, I say John. John joined Babcocks. Obviously, he, and, yeah, uh, he worked for, for many a moon mm-hmm. Babcocks. Mm-hmm. Kathleen joined, uh, I don't know if it was her first job, but when she left uh, Glasgow um, to get married, um, she was still then working for the Royal Infirmary, the uh, hospital yep, uh-huh. at Castle Street. And she was in the offices of Big, it was a big kind of turret it's still there mm-hmm. there's a new section to the oil now as you That's probably right, know yeah. but in the old part of the infirmary um, it's a little it's a big turret mm-hmm. and that used to be some of the offices mm-hmm. and I think she, her office had, she collected a lot of information about cancer and mm-hmm. statistics mm-hmm. and what have you sure. and uh, she kind of ultimately she kind of ran that that mm-hmm. office mm-hmm. as a kind of I suppose a mini manager mm-hmm. um, and she was there for years and years but I'd be this time I was actually working in London Yeah. Um, so I really kind of I was never in touch with Kathleen or John. Mm-hmm. Um, my mum and dad, for that matter, really. I don't to write a letter. Just send me some alive. money, you know. I'm still alive. <laughs> still He's funny. Give me a fiver. Um, and uh, I mean, she eventually married Hugo, and um, mm-hmm. who was also in the civil service, and sure. I, I knew Hugo from London days, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and he moved to Plymouth, and we're down there for twenty odd years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and funnily enough, before she retired there, just last year, she was actually working for a big hospital. Place down in um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. just outside Plymouth. Yep. Probably doing the same type of job, type of thing, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I say John had been in the rigs after Babcock. So and, Thomas. Uh, Thomas um, graduated um, from the school. He went into Glasgow University. So he finished uh, school then. He finished school, unlike <laughs> me. Um, got all his hires, went to Glasgow University, not Strathclyde like you. <laughs> Uh, like that makes a difference yeah. sharper um, and was a top notch boy and um, went through Glasgow and mm-hmm. went to Oxford mm-hmm. um, and cut a long story short he's now a professor um, at Warwick University mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but he went to France he worked in Sorbonne for a couple of years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, worked obviously at Glasgow University he's written so many different books now Dealing with English, postmodernism, postmodernism, what have you. If you looked up his name in the uh, internet, Thomas Doherty, mm-hmm. you'll get what he does. You probably see inspired by Charles. So inspired Doherty, inspired yeah, by uh, Charles. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I was his inspiration for That's everything. Because right, yeah. you know? um, Thomas was born twelve years. He was the the baby of the family. Mm-hmm. Um, so I passed all my brains down to him. Obviously, obviously, uh, yeah. Um, he's doing for. I mean, Thomas now lives well. He's got two houses. He lives down in Crowborough. Mm-hmm. Sussex mm-hmm. Um, but currently because he's at Warwick University um, up there mm-hmm. um, they've got a house up in Warwick as well mm-hmm. um, sort of God's country you know Shakespeare territory right. no. um, married with Bridie and mm-hmm. uh, Hamish's son who's now 
15, 16, uh-huh. doing rather well for themselves as well. But yeah, um, yeah. clever lad, Thomas, clever shows lad. shows where you know. uh, Glasgow can take you. Well, eventually. this is it, you know. Um, he worked hard for I mean, I remember driving him down to Oxford when, yeah. uh, when he left Glasgow Uni. Um, a tired of van. In? Sorry? What car was that in? Or was that uh, oh, it was a hired van. Mm-hmm. Um, which we got down eventually to Oxford into um, his digs at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, St Martin's or something it was called, can't remember. I can see it sometimes when you see. We used to watch Inspector um, Morse. Morse. Mm-hmm. I thought, God, aye, that yeah, yeah. street there. Uh-huh. Um, but aye, I stayed overnight there and helped him unpack and got him into these digs now, you know, and felt a bit sorry for him because I was a bit long in the tooth then and mm-hmm, thought, mm-hmm. God, he's doing what I did That's 12 true. years before, you know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But he caught him extremely well. I drove back, I tried to drove back to Scotland with mm-hmm. my van, which ran out of petrol halfway up <laughs> and um, pushed it all the rest of the way just about <laughs> I and uh, got back eventually to Glasgow uh-huh, but uh-huh. no he worked hard and uh, almost had a breakdown at one point with pressure and things like that but he uh-huh, survived uh-huh. that uh-huh. and he's doing exceptionally well you know oh, so stuff, very proud of him you know well I think what will end there seems how we've kind of gone off Glasgow again but <laughs> god aye it's a trans- you know, off we go again aye, right, off a tangent. I, I see you've got other stuff there as well so yes, we'll talk aye, about that next time I'm aye, sure aye. Uh, you let like me talk and blabber on the usual rambling mess aye, 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 aye. <laughs> I must get myself sort of get a script properly the next time so I know exactly what I'm going to be That's saying right. and stick to it or I'll get a cattle prod one of the two aye, aye. <laughs> an electric one aye. so we'll leave it there and uh, as before if anybody's got any emails if uh, that's inspired any uh, memories I shouldn't think so, so on, probably not <laughs> If, even if you just want to tell us to shut up, but <laughs> or just it's uh, a girl from Alaska to give us another comment. That's right. That's pretty, she probably used to live here. Just moved to Alaska after North listening Alaska, to it. Aye, aye. <laughs> um, Glasgow Generations at gmail.com So until next time, all the best. Cheerio, bye. Oh, single, you've missed it again.